Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. Well, starting off on a new series again today for the month of February, and you're all very intelligent people, so I'm pretty sure you've already guessed we are likely going to be talking through this month about relationship. Um, We had originally planned that this Sunday would be our Vision Sunday. We talked about the great things God has done in the past year. Uh, Because we went online, we simply decided to move that service to the end of this month. And so we're really excited to share with you in a few weeks' time uh, about the vision we have for 2021 and get to talk through some of the great things that happened in the past year. Um, So the simple title is Relationship. Uh, The title of my message today, I'm sorry, it's just so simple. It's relationship. And I know that seems boring, but I hope by the end you'll be refreshed in your soul. You'll be reminded of how valuable um, that word is to us as followers of Jesus. And it's been a while since we've talked about relationship. And uh, so we're going to make some references back to um, a series I did, I think about three years ago was the last time I did it based in a book called The Lego Principle by Joey Bonificio. We're going to link to that book uh, in the notes uh, online. And so we'd love for you still to go and get a copy of that book, read it, understand it, especially if you want to uh, expand your ability to have influence and relationship in the lives of people. It's a great read. Uh, principles are sound and biblical. We really want you to have that, uh, that knowledge and understanding in you. So great book. Um, Generations Church was planted and has been built around the idea of relationship. It's a soul, it's, it's the soul and guiding value of everything we've done. Uh, authentic relationship. And healthy relationship that allows the souls of people to be protected and healed. Most importantly, we're built around the idea of relationship that connects us with the living God through the person of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Now, the culture of our church has been built to teach us to lean into messy conversations and to reach out, to reach in when it gets tough and often other people just won't. And so it's one of those things that is that simple and it's so simple that it can actually become very complicated and messy. But we're okay with that. We're okay that sometimes things don't make a lot of sense and that sometimes maybe things don't even appear to be fair. That's a part of reality in relationship. Uh, And so I want to remind you at the beginning of this message of a a few things, and I hope that you actually remember them. Uh, Some of you, if you do, I mean, I'm telling you, you get 50 gold star stickers today. If I say church, and the first word that comes to your mind, and you yell it out in your living room, is disciple, you get 50 gold stars. Because church is discipleship. Plain and simple. The body of Christ is about discipleship. The church is discipleship. And then the second thing that I hope you know, and if you don't, welcome to Generations Church 101. Discipleship is always absolutely unequivocally about relationship. Discipleship equals relationship. And then the third part of this, of uh, we'll call it the, the trilogy of our, I don't know what, <laughs> but relationship, very simply, relationship is time over time. In other words, the only way that you can have authentic relationship is to spend time with someone over extended periods of time. 
There are very few exceptions to these rules and this reality. This is a principle and a pattern we see all throughout Scripture. We see it in the fathers of the early church. We see it in Jesus himself. And we see it as Jesus is revealed to different men and women throughout the entire Old Testament. We see these realities, these principles presented over and over and over again in the Word of God. Uh, I've already mentioned the book, but uh, we did share that book uh, a couple years ago. Again, Joey Bonificio, The Lego Principle. Please get it. Please read it. I don't mind saying it twice in this message. Uh, but I want to share something really, really simple from the book. A quote, a quote from Joey Bonificio. He says this, Too often, the word disciple is linked with religious duty, increased commitment, or intense discipline. If we read carefully, we find that the overreaching theme of the Bible is enjoying relationship with God and with one another. Even the first book of the Bible introduces God's desire for relationship and enjoyment. I think this is vitally important, not just because it is the founding principle for us as a church, uh, but, but because it is the whole reason God made us. God made us for his good pleasure. He, he made us for his purposes. And whether or not we understand that actually is irrelevant um, in the same way that a chair or a piano could have an opinion about why its maker made them. The fact is, is the maker decides purpose and that is reality. And so uh, as, as we go through this today, I hope that you'll remember this. First and foremost, as we go through this entire series, you are designed, wired, created, built for relationship. First and foremost. That is why you're made in the image that you're made in. And uh, we need to have a healthy, a healthy perspective on relationship so that, this sounds a little weird to say, but you can have a good relationship with the idea of relationship. Now, here's the thing. It's a terrible misappropriation to leave something as wonderful as discipleship, again, which is relationship, uh, confined simply to to works and words like duty, religion, or conflict, or conflict resolution. Um, in truth, there is truth in most of what the enemy uses to deceive. Uh, things like these sad and happy words, I'm going to pair it together for you. Uh, duty and loyalty. How about uh, religion and rest? Conflict and concern. These words, if you can see what I did there, confined to a religious way of thinking, well, they're not fun, they're not restful, they're not refreshing. I mean, duty can be a begrudging thing. But loyalty, we tend to look on in a very positive, affirming light. But the reality is, is that duty and loyalty are built to go together, hand in hand, and when done in the right spirit of relationship, they actually bring joy. Religion Religion, as God defines, God defines the only good religion in the, in the Bible is to take care of orphans and widows in their time of need. But the idea of religion is in humanity because we needed to learn to rest. We needed the liturgy and the, and the formation and order to come into our lives so we could learn to rest. Because there was a time when God's people were slaves. And slaves don't get to rest, but free people do. Uh, conflict and concern. If you can understand, every time I'm concerned for someone else, there is conflict in me. How can I help? Should I step in? What should I do? If I do this, they might run. I mean, these things are, are, are draining on us. They're not fun unless we have the right grasp on that wonderful world, word relationship. 
Uh, so the reality is that a healthy relationship will have the traits of loyalty, concern, rest, and frankly, we could go on describing what relationship looks like, but when I checked the, th the thesaurus, um, which is the wordiest of all dinosaurs, that's right, that's for you kids, and for you dads who are still kids, the wordiest of all the dinosaurs, the thesaurus, um, when I, when I looked in there to see what words I could pull, what synonyms I could pull to help us understand relationship better, I got to like 44 synonyms and I stopped counting. There, there's way more that can be applied and then the extensions of those can be applied as well. Um, so a little bit of trivia for you. We call snow, snow. We've been blessed with snow finally this winter. This snow might say some of you who don't feel like it's a blessing, well, I feel bad for you. Uh, snow is, is wonderful and it can be a great source of fun and enjoyment for us. Uh, hardcore sledders, snowmobiles, or skiers have a couple extra descriptions added like hard pack, sugar, uh, slush, maybe a few more. Um, the, uh, actually, I even think of some sledders who call, uh, I think they call it fancy sauce. They've, I mean, we got words for snow. But the Inuit people call snow by like 52 different names. Now, why, why is that? Well, it's because their entire existence revolves around the reality of snow. And snow is not simply snow to them. And we have at least that many words to help us grasp relationship and what it means in different contexts and times and seasons and realities of our life. So what does that tell you about us? Well, the short answer is it tells us that regardless of where we're at in our theology, our doctrine, our relationship with God, relationship is central to the human reality. We, are, we cannot escape it. You can't escape relationship. Even people you don't like, you're never going to truly escape those relationships because Time over time with anyone leaves impact. It leaves marks on us, good or bad. It is our reality. Your life and my life absolutely revolve around relationships. And I would hope that we could learn that that process can be one of great fulfillment and enjoyment in our lives. Um, a few things that we should learn to enjoy this means to take delight or pleasure in an activity or an occasion to possess and benefit from. By definition, we need to delight, take pleasure in the activities or occasions, possess and benefit from. We're supposed to be full of joy, in joy, have the fullness of joy, have unspeakable joy in our lives and thereby in our relationships. So the process of discipleship or relationship with God, relationship in the body of Christ, is that we should be enjoying God, that we should enjoy suffering, and just for the record, enjoying suffering can really only happen if you have people with you who really love you. Um, if you've been through it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And then enjoying one another. Enjoying God. The Bible teaches us that we are to enjoy God. And it also teaches us that God actually enjoys us. Now that might be a surprise to you. I hope it's not. But if it is, here's what Psalm 149 verse 4 says. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. And he will glorify the lowly with salvation. God wants to glorify us lowly, sin-filled pieces of his creation that have fallen from his grace. He wants to glorify us with his salvation. He takes pleasure in us. 
Uh, Psalm 37, 3-9 says this, and by all means, please, I'll give you a moment here. Turn in your Bible, open it up on your phone to read along with me. Psalm 37, verses 3-9 says this, Trust in the Lord and do good. Someone say, do good. Come on, I know you didn't do it. Now's the time. Live in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. He will bring out your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not get upset because of one who is successful in his way because of the person who carries out wicked scenes. Cease from anger and abandon wrath. Do not get upset. It only leads to evil doing. For evildoers will be eliminated, but those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. <clears throat> Yet a little while, and the wicked person will be no more, and you will look carefully for his place, and he will not be there. But the humble will inherit the land and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. God enjoys us. And God sets out a plan and provision for us to enjoy him as well. And not only that, but for us to enjoy one another and for us to enjoy all the things that he has created and redeemed for us in our lives, both in the spiritual uh, realms, in the realm of your soul and your emotions, but also in the realm of the physical world that's around us. There is redemption everywhere if you're willing to look and see it. So we're called to delight ourselves in him, to deal when relationships that are not so great in our reality, we're, we're called to deal with God with patience and with long-suffering. We're, we're told to rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him to do what needs to be done. And you see, when we're faithful in relationship with God that way, in waiting patiently with joy, ultimately the promise of God is we will inherit that thing that we've been waiting for. We'll inherit that land. And of course, this is both a reality and a metaphor that the author of the Psalms is talking about here. And so please understand not, not only the prophetic uh, nature of, of speaking about the promised land and the fulfillment of prophecy, but also understand there's a biblical spiritual principle that applies to every aspect of our lives. Um, we need to enjoy suffering because relationship is suffering at times. And I noted earlier that really enjoying suffering is only bearable when you have great relationship around you. Now just think about this. Paul, the Apostle Paul, Silas, Barnabas, th these men of God who spread the gospel in the early church, they're the ones who told us things like, count it pure joy when you encounter various trials or persecutions. Uh, that doesn't make very much sense to us. But the reason I believe they could say it is because they were surrounded with people and they were surrounded in their relationship with God, with the truth, the reality of who God was to them. And so that enabled them, even though suffering is not enjoyable, it allowed them to find joy in the suffering. And this concept is so counterculture to us these days. We really don't know what suffering is anymore. Um, just consider some of the ads in the past you've seen on TV. I mean, there's more ads about uh, about captive Russian circus bears and starving dogs, there's at least as many of those ads as there are ads to raise money to feed starving children around the world. 
even in our present day reality, that our culture in North America, our response to COVID, while ignoring the obvious realities and implications that this creates downstream for third and fourth world nations like Haiti and Guinea and West Africa. I mean, it's for a different time and a different conversation. But we're not motivated the right way all the time. We're not motivated thinking downstream to the relational impact our choices, our cultural wars have on the people of this world. You know, in saying all of that, the reality is this. Jesus anticipated suffering in our lives because of him. Jesus anticipates suffering in relationship with others because of him. And he spoke to that end. In Luke 9, 23, Jesus says, If anyone wants to be my disciple, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you will have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. Kind of a run-on list there. But be of good cheer, take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted, for I have overcome the world. I... This would be the amplified version I'm reading from. I have deprived it of the power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Amazing promise in John 16, So, enjoy suffering. Jesus has already won. We win in the end. Uh, we'll leave more on that for another time. Thirdly, enjoying one another. Simply put, Jesus says this in John 15. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Let me just ask you this. How can we not love each other as believers? It's so contrary to the way our world wants us to think. They talk about love. Uh, you hear, this, this one drives me nuts, honestly. And please don't be offended, um, you, you know, because I'm saying this. But the phrase, well, love is love, is thrown out there quite often now in social media and on t-shirts and whatever else. But in doing that, what I see is people reducing love to the mere concept of acceptance or tolerance. But that's not what love is. Love is not only acceptance. Love is not simply tolerance. Those might be virtues of true love. But let me just say it this way. If I love my wife and she has cancer in her body, does that mean I love cancer because I love my whole wife? Well, of course not. None of us will love cancer in the body of someone we love. In fact, we will hate the cancer, but we will absolutely love the person. Love means so much more, and is, agape love is so much more powerful than the world could ever give credit to that word. It's a divine love. It's a healing love. It is the love of God. Real relationship ties us to other people. It ties us into the issues of their lives, and it connects us. And so we desperately need the love of God. The love that Jesus is talking about with his Father is divine agape love. I wanted to share this and it's a little bit ironic to me because I had a conversation recently that absolutely rocked me. It actually left me speechless with someone I love very much. 
there were some difficulties that needed to be talked through. And at one point, the person said, and I presume simply out of frustration, told me this. He said, well, doctrine is more important than relationship. I can't express how wrong that is. Generations Church, hear this. This is what I need you to understand more than anything. Every scripture, every doctrine, every principle, every theology that you will ever encounter in scripture, every jot, every tittle, every promise, every word is there, wholly inspired by God to support and to serve the reality of relationship. First of all, it serves our relationship with God. And after that, flowing out of that, it serves our relationships with every person in the body of Christ. Doctrine exists solely to serve the relationship God wants to have with you and I and what he wants us to have with one another. This is so important to me because it is a foundational reality for us at Generations Church. And while we go through the next couple weeks of this uh, series, this conversation, and I do hope it becomes conversations in your home, in my home, that we revisit and we fall in love with the why we do the things we do once again. We are built for relationship. We are built to be loved. We are built to love. We are built to honor God. We're built to declare his praises to him and to the nations of the earth. These are the things that we're called to. These are the things that we're built for. These are the things that the Holy Spirit wants to inspire in our everyday lives. And so I hope today, as you consider the word of God, as you consider uh, what I as your pastor have shared with you, I hope that you'll let the Holy Spirit take that and form it into the thing that you need to walk away with today. And to that end, I'd like us to pray together. We're going to take a moment. I'd like you to bow your head wherever you are and to ask the Holy Spirit this very important question. It goes like, it's simple. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do with what I've just heard? So let's do it right now. And after a few moments, I want to pray with you. And then we're going to go on with our day. And we're going to let the Holy Spirit speak to us. And we'll be back together again next Sunday. So let's ask together. Holy Spirit, what is it that you want to say to me today through your word, through this message, through the example of leaders and people in my life? Father, I have no doubt that you want to speak to each one of us and that as we yield these moments to you to speak, that you do speak. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would give us ears to hear what you're saying to each one of us in the body of Christ. And especially today in Generations Church. Lord, help us to take it deep into our souls, our hearts, into our families, into our places of work, to honor those who are over us, to honor those who have been given authority. But Jesus, most of all, to honor you and to make you famous in this world. 
God, I ask for your presence, your peace, your protection, your power to manifest in the home of every family in Generations Church. That you would provide for those situations that are beginning to look bleak. God, that you would bring strength and healing to where bodies are failing and feeling different kinds of illness. And Lord, that you would breathe peace and comfort into souls that are being filled and battling anxiety. Jesus, we thank you that you have already won. We thank you that you are the living God, that you make intercession for us at the right hand of the Father in heaven, that you've given us the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. For all these things, Lord, we're so thankful. And we pray, Lord, that you'd give us the opportunity this week to share who you are with those that we come in contact with. We ask all of this in the powerful and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.